Beginning the track, a 52-episode introduction to Star Trek. So, so we've got this 30-year-old show that we are looking at, you newly, mm-hmm. me apparently newly, <laughs> because I just didn't see these conversations coming, especially parts one and two of Best of Both Worlds. And I love... Hi, everybody. I, we Maybe we should say hi. <laughs> hi. See, this is what Andy and I do. We get into conversations and then we're like, we need to record this and share everything. We do. So so we just said, let, let's hit record. But, but hi, welcome to Beginning the Track. We were talking about the best of both worlds, part one and two, and how these things edited out. I just finished editing the talking episode portion of this. This is how we do it. We, we record everything except for the introduction. I edit it down. Then we do our 10-sentence synopsis after the fact so we can fill in any blanks. And this is a great two-parter for you and me, Jessica. I thought so, too, listening to it and uh, I didn't like necessarily I, I didn't know I didn't know how it was going to play out with my because I was angry anybody could hear that I'm pissed off at Riker <laughs> through these entire two shows yeah no you you, you were and, and and are and I mean I don't know if you are right this minute but you certainly were even during the second sure. the second episode I had to take out a couple of the of the Riker is stupids <laughs> Uh, don't worry, we left a couple in, guys. I still call them out for being stupid. And justifiably so in this episode. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that that uh, you pointed out to me that I got to... And that's the... This is why this trek has been so much fun for me, is I get to see it brand new, too. And while I still like Riker as a character, I still like him. But he was he was a jerk. He was just a jerk. But here's the thing, in listening to it again, I still believe there's a whole lot of underlying sexism in his character. But well, things I didn't call out in this episode were he actually, he's he's good. He can command a ship. He can run things. He's got commanderiness and Captain E traits all over the place. It's not, um, so when I call him out for being what he is, I should also recognize the flip side of his character as well. And I can, <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> yeah. No, and you I, shouldn't I, have to, like, I shouldn't have to justify liking the guy. He's very likable. No, well, you, and you even mentioned how likable and charismatic he yeah. is. Uh, and we talk about that. And that's, that's one of the things that makes it a little difficult for me is I've liked him for years and still like him. I've liked Kirk for years and still like him. You can still like, him. like Kirk, yes. You know, you look at it with fresh eyes each time and you see things that, oh, that Trekisteristalgia that you, you know. Mm. How, but how lucky is it to go back and see Star Trek over and over and still see something new? It's, that's, you got to give props for making a brilliant, brilliant show over decades and decades that we can still talk about it. And still get new lessons. Mm-hmm. There's very few things out there that I think I could go back and watch from 30 years ago, 25 to 30 years ago, and get the kind of new insights that I'm getting watching Star Trek. That's another one of the great things about these 700 plus episodes. Mm-hmm. Even some of those original series stories still stand the test of time. So welcome everybody to your Trek. 
<laughs> we're we're glad to have thrown you in here. I I would hope that if you looked at the title of this podcast and saw part two on it, that you wouldn't start with this one. So if you are starting with this one, you're crazy. Go back, watch from the beginning. Uh, are we ready for me to give? I'm going to give this synopsis, and we're not going to. We're mostly going to talk about us and how we feel <laughs> about this episode, and less about the actual things and story that happened in the episode. Yeah, if you want to hear about the plot, this is your opportunity to actually hear about the plot because... Because everything else that follows it. I, we, we do we do mention the Borg a few times, <laughs> uh, but but a lot of this is... is uh, the conversation goes in some fantastic directions that were really unexpected, and I think this is a beautiful capper to our two-part Best of Both Worlds episode. So let's do it. Ten sentences, Jessica. Best of Both Worlds, part two. Okay. Reminder from last week, Picard was taken by the Borg and turned into Locutus, who has shared all of Picard's knowledge. So when Riker said, fire, now we can see nothing happens. The Borg used that opportunity to, you know, fly away. Admiral Hansen informs the crew that they're gathering the entire fleet at Wolf 359 and the Enterprise should meet them there. And by the way, Riker, you're the captain now. As captain, Riker promotes Shelby to be the new number one and heads off to consider his lack of options, where he's interrupted by Guinan, who gives him some advice about letting Picard go, which Riker chooses to immediately and completely ignore. We arrive at Wolf 359 to see all of the ships destroyed, and while we don't have funerals, we do have a moment of shock before implementing a saucer separation strategy where we bring Locutus back. Riker gets Data, Troy, and Crusher to poke at Locutus, and while we shouldn't try to disconnect him because he might blow up, maybe we can implant a command into the Collective through him. Fighting through his Borg implants, Picard, there he is, suggests sleep, and Data does just that. Luckily, before Wesley has time to implement Riker's brilliant plan of crashing the Enterprise into the Borg cube. And then for some reason, the Borg explode. The next day, Riker is happily demoted, Shelby is happily sent away, and Picard is not so happily dealing with some serious headaches after that Borg mind trip, which is why you should immediately watch Family right now. Oh. Because that's what I did. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So I had to throw Family into the 10-sentence synopsis because it really is. And we will have a conversation about the episode Family during our talking trek of this episode. So for those of you that did take my suggestion, and if you didn't, go go do it now. Go watch Family. It's good stuff. The very next episode. And then our conversation, which I have to admit, um, you brought this up at the end talking about how it's kind of nice to watch an episode without having to prepare it for podcast. Mm -hmm. Neither of us prepared for this conversation. So it's just us talking, really. I just edited it, and it's really clear that we weren't prepared for this conversation. <laughs> it's This is what Jessica and I sound like when we're just... Nerding out, talking about nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. But it's fun, and, and we get a few feels in there, too. So have fun, and... Let's talk episode, then. Yeah, let's get there. You want to talk episode? Are you scared? I'm a little scared to talk episode this time. We had... Uh, Don't be scared. I'll be gentle. Oh, okay. Well, if you'll be gentle, then... Okay, that's not true, but... <laughs> yeah, you probably won't. I, I don't believe you, but let's talk episode anyway. All right. Best of Both Worlds, part two, the end of the cliffhanger. Uh, three out of five Locutus head masks, since this is a part of the same one, I'm going to give them the same scale of rating. Okay. And where the last one probably, I feel, did not deserve four out of five, but I knew it was a good episode, this one may be the opposite, but I'm still giving it three out of five because 
I can <laughs> because it's my it's it, the the rating is completely how much I like it and it's three out of five how much I like it because you have been sanctioned by the by the the commissioning authority to give this rating on this show. I mean, I understand because me me me. You filled out <laughs> all the proper paperwork and filed it with the registrar and and yes. So now it matters. But we should talk about the uh, predictions because yeah. I was pretty. I mean, especially the top like leaving the cliffhanger and I came back and said I was going to have little to no effect. I'm kind of proud because, well, where else are you going to go with that? Of course, it's going to have little to no effect. We're going to get Picard back, but I'm a little bit proud of myself. For you know, that one. I, I don't have that episode edited yet, so I didn't get a chance to listen to exactly what you said. But to the best of my knowledge, the only thing we didn't have that you thought would be there were the funerals. Right. We did see the devastation. Sort we of. did see, well, I mean, Wolf 359. We saw like half a second. It was sad. It was not the spectacle that you were probably hoping for. Right. The we'll see that. We will see that. They'll actually okay. show the the battle of Wolf Three Five Nine in the uh, the pilot episode of Deep Space Nine. Oh, I was assuming that there would be like such mass casualties. I really was assuming that there would be big. It would be a big deal. And uh, we might as well mention up front that I immediately ended watching Best of Both Worlds with watching Family. So you did. Okay, good. So you went and watched Family right afterward. I did. Like I said last week, and I'll say it again this week, I cannot stress this enough. To make The Best of Both Worlds a two-parter that was two separate episodes for us, I compromised Mm. by putting Family as the number one most please watch it right after you watch part two. So if you haven't done that yet, please do. And I totally did. And it was totally worth it. So why don't we make that our talking track? Let's talk about Family in Talking Trek today as, as a part of that. Sure. Uh, I just wanted to mention up front because there's no doubt that it's going to seep into what I saw with Best of Both Worlds. It will seep into the rest of Picard's career with Starfleet. Mm, that makes sense, too. And good. Yeah, his entire character adds a new element of depth because Patrick Stewart didn't have enough challenge with this character already. He took on now being really affected by what what this does to him. And it affects his future decision-making, everything. I have two things to say about that. One, you're right, as if he didn't have enough challenges. Him walking around with that long Borg arm is ridiculous. Like, <laughs> I don't know. The, and the Borg outfits and costumes and stuff are so cool. I really do. I like them. They're weird. Uh, they're neat. Uh, they're a little bit, like, rubbery, but th- they work. They totally work. And oh, some of the effects in this really worked. But that arm being so long... And when he gets up and does his, like, this is futile, y'all are ridiculous, we're so going to win as Locutus, it just, I was like, I wish that wasn't, that hand wasn't as much as it was. As long as it was, as as obviously, I get that it's just there to hide your hand, which is still there, which probably would have been cut off to make that tool logical just the aesthetics when you're watching somebody who's wearing it's too long it's it's odd it's weird it's not proportional uh and then the other one was i'm glad that picard has to deal with this and i'm glad patrick stewart took that on because if if anybody's gonna make it real oh my gosh that man will but there was just a complete reset in this nothing happened and i was very dissatisfied with the no consequences at the very end 
except for a bunch of, like, literally the rest of Starfleet who we don't know or care about has died. Other than that, we're peachy. And then we don't even, like, aside from the moment when Shelby's kind of like, oh, crap, like, listing the names of these, we don't even stop to deal with this. Even in family, we don't stop to deal with it. On a global, like, human humanity level, there should have been some oh shit moments we need to deal with this and it just wasn't there yeah you know what at, at this point you're right we, we there's still a lot of aftermath of this that that we're going to be dealing with and while they do deal with it some in in next generation i will say the opening scene of of the pilot of deep space nine is the battle of wolf 359 from from the perspective of a ship that gets destroyed oh dang yeah interesting okay. with 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 people escaping and things like that so so and you know the ship slowly being torn apart and and um but for this first watch not given a whole lot of weight yeah, I, I, I'm getting that. I'm getting that that was a mm-hmm. missing for you, that there wasn't the feeling of devastation. There were the moments. There was the pointing at it and saying, there it is. Right. But there wasn't the grieving. Right. Because I didn't see a whole lot of grieving going on, except when it came to Picard. Right. Which they all dealt with that he wasn't there anymore in kind of their own way, or at least Riker did, certainly Guinan did. For like five minutes. This is what I'm talking about with the reset. But you know what? Let's do this because the whole Guinan and Riker conversation, mm-hmm. This both of these episodes were very, very much about Riker. <laughs> and we've already discussed how I feel about that in part one. Well, we talked about it in part one. And I do want to talk a little bit more about Riker because I've had, I've had some, some big epiphanies there. So do you want to do that now? Really? Oh. I want to hear about these. I'm not sure I want to tell them. I, I, maybe I better <laughs> put on a catcher's mask or something first, uh, you know, just in case. So I don't get hit by the fallout. I think we should be very clear to all Star Trek fans. When somebody doesn't like Star Trek or somebody doesn't like a particular thing about Star Trek, it has nothing to do with you. I got that. Yeah. (laughs) And that's hard when you look like if somebody said something about Firefly to me, I'd be like, ah, but at the end of the day, I have to understand, like, not only was it not my baby, I didn't create it, but my love for it doesn't mean anything to somebody else's hate for it or dislike about a particular thing about it. I just want to throw that out there. On behalf of all Star Trek fans everywhere, when you say that you don't like something about Star Trek, it's absolutely personal, and that's how we take it. And It really makes us feel bad. We're really sad about it. We just want to dig in, and honestly, that's what I did with Riker. Our conversation, and and like I said, I haven't edited it yet, but we talked for a very long time about Commander Riker and about sexism in... In, in Starfleet. In Starfleet. And, and, and how it showed up for you mm-hmm. and how I couldn't see the sexism. I certainly saw Riker being a total jerk. Sure. That's not hard to see. Yeah. And I, and I promised I would go back and I would watch. And I did. I, like right after we, I, I, took, a, I took another 45 minutes and I mm-hmm. went and watched it again. And here's what I saw. I saw nothing that I could point at. Right. That had me say that is blatant sexism, racism, any ism. That's just a guy being a jerk, especially in that first scene that we talked about. Mm-hmm. That's just a guy being a jerk mm-hmm. where it's uncalled for. And it was totally uncalled for for him to be a jerk. 
I suspect it was a bad piece of directing or bad acting choices because they had set up this adversarial relationship between Shelby and Riker from the very beginning. That was purposeful. She was supposed to be challenging. I get that. And I think that they sort of forgot that that's not there yet at in the first scene. And whenever they filmed it, maybe they had already established some sort of adversarial thing. Right. And the the between the acting and the directing, it didn't get done. It didn't get cleaned up. But regardless, uh, he was a jerk. Then I went and thought about Riker. And no, then I talked to one of our listeners. I talked to a listener named Heather. And I said to her that we had this interesting conversation. And then I said, so... Is it sexist when Riker, and that's as far as I got before she said the word yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So. Thank you, Heather. (laughs) So putting ego aside, something's clearly there whether I can see it or not. Mm -hmm. The question is, is what do we do about it? And there's a million questions. There's a million questions. Oh, this is going to open the biggest can of worms ever. That's okay. Talk it out. Well, okay. So here are the things that I've discovered since I got that there may be more there. I think you're right. I think there are many times where he is a sexist. Mm -hmm. I think he probably shows up as a speciesist or a speciesist or a racist. I think that one's xenophobe. Might be xenophobe. I think that Riker is a lot of ists in a lot of ways. And what it all comes down to is Riker's a real jerk sometimes. <laughs> Often. And that had me wonder why I was defending him because he's like the cool guy and I want to like him so much and I want to defend him. And when I take a step back and I look, I, I'm kind of surprised at who I'm defending. I feel a little like Kirk did when the Organian said, you're really, you know, defending war. war? It's like, <laughs> I'm defending a guy that was being a total jerk, regardless of why. Sure. He doesn't deserve to get away with that crap with anyone. Yes. And she's there to help. Mm-hmm. Now, looking at it objectively from that side, she was also being a jerk. Maybe justifiably a little bit because of the start she got from him. Maybe late, sure. And, and and she should have cleaned up her stuff, too. She shouldn't have been as insubordinate as she was. But he was a total ass, and it continued into this episode, too. I think the thing I'd like to say about this is... What makes it all the more insidious is that Riker is extremely likable, as are a lot of people who we live with and who we interact with at work. They are cool and friendly and they're calm in the face of danger or they give great presentations and they're great salespeople. Or re- and now I'm mixing, obviously I'm not talking necessarily about Riker anymore. No, 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 but you're, you're, you're saying a type. Why do we all love the bad boy? Except he's, he's not. The thing that he is, and maybe this is, he is the epitome of what people at the time thought that an adventurous, sexy young man should be and look like. So I think Jonathan Frakes played that exactly as he's supposed to. And in real life and in this character, it's emotionally lazy is what it is. That's the thing that I came to is even when we're not talking sexism, he's friendly to everyone. He's adventurous and he's handsome and whatever. I am sure a lot of people find him very attractive. I don't think he has a whole lot of integrity. And this one delved into even the carrying on the conversation about his career. Why this particular man needs so much time and effort spent about his career 
is beyond me. He's had ships thrown in his face. Everything is so easy for this character. Everything is so simple. Do you want it? Do you not want it? Maybe you should take a hot bath with Troy and she can comfort you about whether you want it or not. <laughs> that is what I get out of this emotionally lazy man. He doesn't want to challenge himself. He doesn't want to be put in the positions that Picard has been put in. Picard got taken by the Borg and had to deal with it. Riker didn't have to deal with that. So for him to step immediately back after all of this drama, after taking on some of those hard decisions, after having to say fire, it means nothing. He is lazy. And that is where I ended up. Best of both worlds has shown me that is what Riker is to me. I, I am going to not... <laughs> Defend? Challenge that. Not even a little bit. This is what I get to see. And, but here's the thing. I, I I know his future and I know his past. Mm -hmm. Some of the past that, you know, that we've already gone past. And I can see more moments that, that point to exactly what you said. There's an episode. There's a two-part episode. And I, I'll mention it here. But if you're going to watch it on the recommendeds, I recommend that you watch next week's episode first because it introduces a new species that we're going to need to, to get to know. And then this, this episode, which is called Chain of Command. So this is a two-part episode that includes Picard and Crusher and Worf going on a separate assignment and a new captain coming in, played by Ronnie Cox, fantastic actor Ronnie Cox from RoboCop and you know I mean he's just he's the bad guy in everything and he <laughs> comes in as this new captain mm -hmm. and he's hard-nosed and Riker immediately rubs wrong with him. Sure. And halfway through the episode Riker's been relieved of duty. From one side, I can sit there and say to, say to myself, how can you put this, you know, he's, he's our man. He's the guy that goes and saves the day. And on the other side, he was total ass to, <laughs> to Jellicoe, a total ass. And he deserved what he got. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he gets an opportunity to come back at the end and be a bit of a hero and make a difference and, and make Jellicoe swallow some, a little pride, which he, by the way, does because that's the thing that will get the job done. Mm -hmm. And I love Jellicoe. I'm on the yay for Jellicoe side. There's a lot of people that think he's a bad captain. I think he's a great captain. I don't know what you're talking about. Man, I tangented off. Um, um, you can see it. What the hell is my point? <laughs> What were we talking about? Oh, good. This is like the button from Sins of the Father. I was going somewhere with this. I really was. Well, hold on. This show's not about the Cardassians. Uh, you were talking about how Riker, and now that you've seen other episodes too, you can actually see it in other episodes as well. Right. Riker and Jellicoe. I can see it. Exactly. Riker and Jellicoe. Uh, and, and the way that Riker treats Jellicoe is just, it's, it's more disrespectful or at least as disrespectful as Shelby treated Riker at any point. Mm. It doesn't fly with me anymore. It's interesting because I'm now seeing Riker. My trek continues along with yours. Mm. I'm seeing Riker as a bit more of a... Here's the growth, though. Here's the growth that we can find. Yeah. This is where Riker gets to be sexist, and the show isn't. That is a huge step, because the original series, the show was sexist, and it came out in all of those little ways. The show isn't being sexist. They have a woman who's doing this. They have Shelby, and she, she didn't get martyred. She didn't die. No, she didn't. Uh, that was something I totally did not call. That's right. That was the other thing yep. that you thought would happen that didn't happen. Was I totally that. thought it was going to happen because that is how I felt a show would treat this character. 
and especially as a woman and especially as a career and especially as talking back to that precious, precious first officer. Uh, and she didn't. She gets, honestly, it would be really awesome to see her with all of Starfleet destroyed and Riker being selfish ass and not going out there and captaining his own ship. Give her a ship. Give her a ship. Give her the entire fleet. Yeah, or at least put her, you know, uh, number one on a big one. Right. Who's, I mean, but seriously, who's left at this point? Riker really should have gone. There should have been some sacrifice in this. And it was so appropriate that Riker leave. It was so appropriate. And I just wanted them to do the Joss Whedon thing and kind of, you know, twist the knife and take out a beloved, beloved character. I love you, Wash. <laughs> Wouldn't it have been fun? And, and and that and of course that would have left the job opening and Shelby would have been a really good candidate to slide right into that spot. I mean, maybe they could have made something out of it. Who knows what it could have been? Uh it could have been amazing, could have been awful, you never know. I don't understand why Worf wasn't number one. They had such a backstory and peak performance. I would have been, if I was Worf, I'd be pissed. I'd be like, really? Well, and and if you go back and watch, I think I mentioned the Emissary, where, where the sleeper Klingon right. ship is awakening. That would be, I, I don't want to spoil it for you, because that one's, it, it's fun in a lot of ways. He he gets it on with Kalar, with the, the, the female Klingon, who's awesome and a strong female guest star, really strong. And the resolution is just one that, that I, I kind of stand up and clap when it happens. It's just one of those, well done, good, fun, perfect resolution. I don't want to spoil what it is for you, but... But but Worf being number one in this episode. He deserved more than that. And by the way, so too, as we'll see in future episodes, does Data. Yeah. Data will get an opportunity to be first officer, to command. He'll get an opportunity to command in, I think it was Redemption. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. One of those Romulan Klingon, everybody's fighting with everybody, and we need we need captains on ships. Right. Um, and he is fantastic at that. Worf will have a new adventure that will, will await him. And Riker. He's just a lazy butt. Yeah, he's pretty much first in command through most of this. I get I mean, huh. I get it. It's easy. Why am I so, why, it's so funny. I mean, and I'm not saying that, you're right, he's, he's likable, he's funny. He is. He's, he's got a certain charm and charisma. Mm-hmm. There's a certain, one of the things that I've really liked about our Trek is we started with a 1960s TV show about a 300-year future. <laughs> right, right. Right? Looking at it from 50 years after it was made. Mm-hmm. Right? That's where we started. If it's not offensive in certain ways, what the hell have we been doing for 50 years? We should have made progress. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Right? And then we see 25 years later-ish, two and a half decades Mm later-ish, we get into the next generation and we've seen some progress, more women, more inclusion, maybe, less obvious misogyny. Right. It's not overt. It still feels like it's there, but it's not as overt. And it gets called out. And it gets called out occasionally, not every time, but more often than we ever saw before. There is nothing in, I'm going to say Patrick Stewart, I don't know the man, but there's certainly nothing in Picard that is sexist at all. He doesn't walk that way, talk that way, think that way. And it's not built into how he treats anybody or anything. And I love the man for it. I will love this character for it. There's just a, there's a, there's a a measure of respect that he seems to have for everyone. Yeah. I will not be feeling that way 
about Riker as a character. And that's all I have to say about that one. I'm done. I'm done. It's good. Then we move on. The 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 the, the conversation about Riker is officially closed. <laughs> closed for business. And if we're going to talk about Picard, because he's got some moments in here, and one in particular that just hits you in the gut, mm-hmm. when they connect him. Now, the thing going in his, what is it, going in his ear or whatever, his brain, whatever they're doing with that little light thing, mm-hmm. they stick near him, uh, that drains the color from his face and makes him more borgly. Yes, when they assimilate him. Which I can see if you don't like sci-fi that could come off super cheesy the same way I view horror and I'm like, okay, blood splatter and that's really effective for some, but this totally hit me. But just punches you in the gut, the tear. Oh yeah. He's still there. Our captain is still there. Oh my God. And it didn't get enough time. It's a big episode. There's a lot going on there, obviously. But Picard is there. And family takes care of a lot of True. a lot of the feels. It really does. And yeah, the, the, the feels get, get dealt with. You know that. Uh, you saw it. Yeah. And it impressed me. I mean, the Borg are interesting. You'd think we would spend most of our time talking about the Borg in these, and we totally haven't. They've been almost secondary to all of the characters that we like and dislike. <laughs> well, they've been they've been compared to the they're compared to a zombie horde, right. which you kind of saw at first. Um you compared them last episode, which I thought was really interesting to terrorists. Terrorists. I still think that. Um and I can see that from that perspective, mm-hmm. you know, single-minded of purpose and and they're going to keep on doing what they do and ugh. the thing that's scary about them is there's just no negotiation with them. I told you that you wouldn't like it when they talked. It's because they talked through Patrick Stewart. Yeah. You know, I told you. told you you wouldn't like it. Yes. No, it's... Uh, promise delivered. Promise very much delivered. You yeah. still want them to talk? Because they'll talk again in the future. We'll, we'll, we'll bring up some of that as well. Well, I wonder if we've got something... Because if they picked up everything from Picard that they said they did, and they said they did because the fire... the fire that cannon didn't work and letting go of Picard, which Riker did not do. No. <laughs> Thank you, Guinan, for a resounding speech that had zero effect on the man. Oh, let's talk about that. What does Guinan mean when she says beyond family, beyond what was beyond friends, beyond family? That's how she describes Picard. What does that mean? So two episodes ago, when we were doing yesterday's Enterprise, or three, mm-hmm. I recommended, among other things, a two-part episode called Time's Arrow. And in Time's Arrow, they find Data's head in San Francisco. All right, this is the one I said I was going to watch. And it has been there since the 1800s, and you said that you were going to have to watch it because you had to see that. To be fair, I have watched a lot of extras. I know you have. I have now seen Fistful of Data's and Menage a Troy and Family and... When, when you were out here in Los Angeles, we watched um, Face of the Enemy, too. I have gotten some extras. Yeah, you have. So, but that will explain what she means by beyond friends and family. Oh yes, uh, you'll you'll see how they first meet. For him or for her? You'll see how she first meets him. But not how he first meets her. No. Right. No. You just got a smile on your face. That's cute. <laughs> there are parts of the episode that are a little on the goofier side. Um, the, the 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 guy that plays Mark Twain, love him or hate him. There's a Mark Twain. Sure. Because you're time traveling and you're Star Trek, what else are you going to do? You can meet Mark Twain. You know, why not? Doctor Who did a great thing with Van Gogh. I really loved it. You know who else did it? Babylon 5 had a whole thing with Jack the Ripper. There's a Jack the Ripper episode from Star Trek from the original series. It's horrible. 
It's horrible. It is the most misogynist. You want to talk about the most misogynistic episode? That might might qualify. Don't go watch it. I'm not even going to tell you the name of it. Don't don't <laughs> don't Google Jack the Ripper in Star Trek because you won't like what you okay. find. Okay, I won't. Um, why don't we talk best of both worlds? Hey, there's an idea. Let's talk about the thing we meant to talk about. Well, you mentioned the the single tear. Yes. The words coming out of Patrick Stewart's mouth, your resistance is hopeless, number one. I mean, my heart leaps into my throat when that happens. It's because the number one is still there, that connection. Like he's he's still Picard. Oh, oh he knows what he's doing. Yeah, I think maybe the Borg are going to come back and just be like, horribly emotionally manipulative. <laughs> that would be kind of funny. You know, you never know what you're going to get when you assimilate human beings. Right. There's a, you know, you didn't think about this from the Borg's point of view. What if they assimilate an entire species that's essentially a virus to everything they are? They're like, that's strong and powerful and has a lot of technology. What are you going to do with a, something that's a part of your collective that is going to mess you up? An interesting question. A very interesting question. Shall I give you a recommendation? Sure. All righty. Knock yourself out. In the fifth season, there's an episode called I, Borg, B-O-R-G, Borg, I, Borg. You've said this one before. Yeah, I think I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago when we did Q-Who or mm-hmm. I don't know. I mentioned it at some point, uh, but I'll bring it up again because of what you just said. So we find a lonely Borg alone. Oh, you have told me this. Uh, yeah. He doesn't blow up or he's been something's wrong with him and he's not he's disconnected from the yeah. from the hive and it becomes an ethical issue what to do with him. Because and they could give him a virus and send him back. That is part of the quandary. I Borg is the twenty-third episode of the fifth season. Okay. So yeah. Oh, I did want to talk about how without data and Picard, Riker pretty much is just worthless. <laughs> You want to talk? Wait, you want to talk about Data and Picard and Riker is worthless? No, without Data and Picard, Riker's big genius strategy that like Picard comes back and is just like, oh, you were amazing at your strategy. Yeah, his entire strategy was to get you back. Yeah. So the fact that you didn't immediately start attacking is brilliant and has nothing to do with his strategy. And then two, his other brilliant strategy was to crash the Enterprise into the Borg ship, which we know is going to do absolutely nothing. So thank God Data's there to be the android that can, you know, program sleep into the evil robot terrorists. So we're taking Riker back out of the box again? and <laughs> No, that was my only... <laughs> That's my... I'm just saying... Although Wesley Crusher's face at the command is still kind of sad, too, when Riker's just like, all right, we're we're going to warp right into that. And he's just like, but I just got this uniform. I know, right? Yeah, that, that look on his face, like, really? Yeah, he's just... Really? I don't want to be a kamikaze. <laughs> Today I finally get on the day shift. Right. And my, the first order they give me is crash us into that, that big giant cube. I only got to play one game of <laughs> poker, man. <laughs> Um, it, 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 this track, I, it, I'm starting to see it, it, some of the, some of the problems that Riker is, you know, who he is, is causing me some issues. I had one last thing to say. Yes. Riker is stupid. 
but we established that. My one last thing to say is this <laughs> ending with the Borg is kind of stupid too. There is no reason for them to self-destruct. I did want to talk about this ending. Putting them into a regenerative state has never made them self-destruct before. That's true. What the hell? There should have been a call made by Riker that says, do you blow them up or do you leave them alone? Because they're going to come back from regenerating stronger, more powerful, whatever. That's what we've seen before. It should follow that pattern. The Borg shouldn't change. They shouldn't all of a sudden blow up on their own. He should have had to make that tough call. And yet again, he weaseled out of a tough call because it's emotionally lazy. Well, he didn't weasel out. The writers weaseled him out by not having him make the call. Well, he's very real to me and I don't like him. I I have no reason to doubt that. Well, if anything, I established how I feel about two extremely important characters, the captain and his number one. And I know exactly where I stand with them at this moment. Well, um, all you had to do is say, target them and, you know, use the deflector dish again. Let's take one more shot while they're they're sleeping and boom. And you're right. And then Riker has at least done something. Other than sat in that chair. Yes. And been grumpy that he was sitting in that chair. Yeah. How could he have been so much more heroic before we started this track? How could that be? Seriously. How could you have done this to me? New beginner's eyes. I don't know. Like, we thought that this was going to be great for old-timer Star Trekkers to see new things. And uh, maybe you don't like it. This is just a part of it. Yeah, it's just a part of it. Uh, If if you screw up Cisco for me, I am never going to forgive you. Well, I haven't screwed up. Here's the thing. I'm not screwing up anything. If I am opening your eyes to other things, this this would be like, like if somebody comes up to me and like, as a newbie, I have seen that Picard is just awful and he's a terrible captain it's just like well you're not going to convince me of that because i don't see it because it's not there however if you came at me and said hey there's this thing about this character and i and i was took another look and i saw it i'd be like okay that was there and i just didn't see it before so if cisco really is awesome he'll still be really awesome when i'm watching him you're like i don't know (laughs) he's guys i don't know i mean you know Riker was never my favorite but I never had a problem with him. Troy was never my favorite, but I never had much of a problem with her. Wesley very much wasn't my favorite. And now? And he's growing on me. What have you done to me, Jessica? (laughs) We're going to end this. You're going to be like, I can't even be a Star Trek fan anymore. She blew it up. No, I love it. I love it more now than I ever did. I really do. Love it, love it, love it. The fact that Star Trek is this deep is very cool. Oh, I like that. Is there anything more about this? This is a point that I wanted to make that we hadn't made. Even when somebody you know is looking you dead in the eye and telling you that you're never going to change their minds, that resistance is futile, that you should give up, you should not give up. Resistance is never futile. And if we can't work for 50 years to build something better of ourselves then Star Trek doesn't mean a goddamn thing. Oh. So as deep as I got with Riker, on the flip side, you've got Picard and Locutus and the entire battle for self-determination and uh, power over what you give away to other people. It just... Yeah. Yes. Very much yes. If that isn't pure Star Trek, I don't know what is. That, I think, defined it for me right there. 
Let's talk Trek then. Yeah, let's talk some Trek. You watched Family. I did, because how do you not right after that deal with the fallout? It was a very good suggestion, and I was really happy to have the feels after the big battling, and it was it was good. Honestly, this was the hardest, the hardest one not to leave on the list of all of all. This is number 53. <laughs> and let me tell you how I got to where we are and, and show you the track. Okay. Now, now you can, now you're going to see the whole uh, big chunk of the track. Your train of thought of introducing this. It is absolutely imperative to show you best of both worlds. It is a turning point for Picard. It, it introduces the Borg. It creates the second half of the next generation. Okay. This is what a lot of people consider to be the absolute pinnacle of Star Trek. And so it has to be shown. Okay. So that's two episodes. Well, if you're going to show that, you got to introduce them to the Borg. That's Q who. Sure. And if we're going to introduce you to the Borg, who's going to do that? That's going to be Q. We got to introduce you to Q. That's Encounter at Farpoint. Which we had to have anyway to introduce all the characters. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so there's that all going on. But I very specifically chose these episodes: Encounter at Farpoint one and two, going into mm-hmm. Q who with a few in the in the way in the middle, so mm-hmm. that you could learn who the characters are. Going into peak performance, getting ready for the Borg, and really flushing out the ensemble. Mm-hmm. Before we actually come into Best of Both Worlds 1 and 2. And then the follow-up family completes this story arc that we had threaded through all of the next generation. This is the trek that I wanted to build for you for the next generation. So do you start to see it now or can you see it now? I can totally see it now. I have one giant problem Uh with Star Trek right now after having watched Family. Tell me. Would it really have been that difficult to change the name Jean-Luc Picard to something that was English instead of French. Because we make a point in Star Trek of being like, oh, these Russian parents are very Russian. And we don't say they're Russian and then bring in Koreans. Like, this is... What the hell? Would it really have been that difficult to just... Everybody is English. They're in the English freaking countryside. Okay, I don't actually know where they filmed it, but (laughs) even the little boy... This is not French. Any, it just come on. Well, maybe in the future, French people speak with English accents. I mean, maybe that's a thing. I think everybody who's ever been French can be pissed off at you for saying that. Uh, well, the only <laughs> the only other thing that I can say is Ricardo Montalban was definitely not a Sikh, but played Khan. Okay, yes, and we called that out too. We did. Uh, not that this was to justify it, but they've done it before. <laughs> You don't have to do it again, and I don't think you could get... Like, TV, you can't even get close to getting away with that anymore. Highlander would never even be a thing. James Bond should not be like... What? All of these old, like, iconic, why aren't you the race or accent, or could you even try? <laughs> uh, you can't get away with that anymore. No, you're you're right about that. His, his the accent for all of them. I mean, they were they were. It was clearly an English family. Maybe it was an English family that moved to, or I, I don't know. I, I what would you like me to say? No, they were in the back. No, France. I'm just I'm just pointing out an extremely obvious thing that I'm sure I'm going where millions and millions have gone before me and saying, "What the hell, writers? Yeah, you couldn't change the name." I get that you can't change the people. Like, I don't want Picard to be not Picard. I want him to be not French because he's <laughs> not French. 
has nothing to do with like being angry anyway. Yeah, but when he says, I am French with that, that beautiful English accent, I believe it. <laughs> well, if I'm going to believe anybody, I'll be him. <laughs> no, you're right. It, it, it does. It, that doesn't work. But the rest of it. So, so the whole point behind getting into family and, and I wanted to split up Best of Both Worlds 1 and 2 because I wanted that feeling of the cliffhanger. And what that really meant was I'm using two episodes for a, for what could have been sure. one. So I took family and put it on the biggest pedestal I could, knowing that this would be the next generation's Omak time. That if I built it up enough for you, Omak time was Spock's wedding. Omak time. O- no. Omak? Is it? Omak time. Okay. A, a, Omak time. Oh, my God. This is the one that I couldn't figure out how to pronounce it before either. Yeah. It's five <laughs> months later. I still don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, but this was Spock's Wedding, a mock time. Right. Which you also got me to watch. Which I got you to watch simply by building it up, knowing your love affair with Spock. Mm-hmm. I knew your love affair with Picard already, how impressed you are as at, at, at who Patrick Stewart is and yes. how he's played. And I knew... You just can't watch Best of Both Worlds and be told that there's closure in the very next episode and not go watch it. It's true. And if anybody hasn't, if they're doing this, Andy's right, go watch it. Go watch it immediately after because yeah. you you need it. <laughs> I need it. I needed Picard walking in a countryside with the ridiculous pants. Absolutely. Right? Having that, that crying fit. Although I want him, whatever that little satchel round thing that he carries around is I want one real bad. So cute. So cute. I'm having flashbacks to when I was in the original series when I was just like, oh, that belt is adorable. <laughs> I haven't said that throughout the entire next generation. Yeah. But I, I want that. You want that. Okay. <laughs> so you finally found an outfit. I, found, <laughs> I don't know what the whole outfit. Those pants really are ridiculous. Uh, but, but you want the belt. Well, I want the yeah, the bag. It looks a little bit like um the the little blue. Um, who were the the super iconic ladies from the airlines? Uh, Pan Am. Pan Am. Pan Am. Yes, it's the Pan Am. It has that flair about it. Okay. That I like. I have no recollection whatsoever of any bag that he was carrying at any point. Did he take something out of it? Was there a triple in the bag? Or, or No, but the little boy held his uncle, quote fingers, his uncle was holding it for him and then handed it back to him. See? I have to go back and rewatch now. Wow. <laughs> well, see? Everybody gets different things. Everybody gets different <laughs> things out of it. I want to go find... It's a round... It's cute. Anyway, why am I explaining? You just said that you don't. You I didn't, didn't see even it. see it. It's okay. It. You, you're allowed to love something that I didn't even see, even though I've seen this episode probably a dozen times and have no memory of it whatsoever. How beautiful is that moment with a little kid staring up at the stars at the end? Yeah. Yeah. Who hasn't been that kid? Love it. Well, that's yeah. We're Star Trek fans, of course. We're we're stargazers, and and yep. let's see what's out there, right? That was just a wonderful, wonderful closing moment. It was like yes. And Picard coming coming to the realization that being a it was a very authentic moment that that he's going to go back to the Enterprise that that's just where he belongs, almost like Patrick Stewart was coming to that realization at the same time or had just come to it and so was able to channel that, huh? Oh, you got some trivia. Was he considering leaving the show? Patrick Stewart. Well, I told you he was considering leaving the show at the end of Best well, of Both no, Worlds. Well, no, you told me there was gossip around it. I assume that's just PR and marketing stuff that they put out. 
because all of that's controlled. That message is totally just put out there by people who want ratings and money. No, no, no. He, he's done interviews. He was really, he was really considering leaving the show. Oh yeah. No, he was planning on leaving the show. Oh, okay. You didn't tell, okay. You didn't tell me that. You told me that there was gossip. Well, I didn't give you enough info. I'm sorry. No, I took it that way. If, If you said it like this was a real thing, I did not realize that. That's all. Anything else you want to talk about with family? Uh, I mean, we could talk more about the episode, but just that I, in some ways it's a relief because obviously I'm watching these with the eye of, I'm going to talk about it later. So I catalog some things and I make some notes and I have some thoughts and then I watch them again. You know, we, we do the notes. I at least want to be prepared for these conversations. But the nice thing about watching family was it was a big breath of, I could just enjoy this. So for me personally, yeah. that was a great, great way to end Best of Both Worlds. <laughs> Next week, what you got? Next week, I already mentioned just a little while ago about recurring storylines. It's time to start setting up a new one. Okay. Have you met the Cardassians yet? No. It's time to start setting up Deep Space Nine. Cool. We're going to start the Cardassians. So we're going to we're going to meet a new race and we're going to spend a little time getting to know somebody that you have seen in virtually every episode but who has said almost nothing. Hmm. Miles O'Brien. Oh, this was the one in Family. Yes. The he he talks to Worf for just a tiny bit and he's just like, "No, everybody's family's like that." And Worf's like, "No, mine's worse." And he's like, "No." Yours is pretty okay. <laughs> yeah, that's him. He's pretty much done one or two lines. He was even he even got a line in the pilot, which I thought was really cool when I saw that happen. Yeah. Miles O'Brien played by Colm Meany. His character has slowly developed over time, and he is going to leave the Enterprise and go to Deep Space Nine when that starts up. So uh, okay. this episode is going to do a couple of things. The first thing it does is it introduces you more to who that character is going forward. Okay. You'll meet him. You'll meet his wife. Okay. She's a very new wife. In fact, if you want to see how they actually got married, go back just one episode to date day, which is the 22nd episode of the fifth season, and you'll learn how they got married. Fairly clunky marriage. You'll see. It's a, it's a little clunky at the beginning, okay. but it's not about that. It's about him. It's about how he deals with uh, a new threat, the, the unfortunately named Cardassians. Hmm. Is it really their unfortunate name, or is it someone else's unfortunate similar name? Well, I think that they... In terms of fame and fortune, I think the Cardassians happened before the Kardashians, but... Forever a connection. It's almost impossible to hear one without the other, but you will not mistake the two of them when you start to get to meet them. They are uh, All right. They are a ruthless bunch. You know what I found? Uh, I was looking at some stuff online and it just popped up. The O'Brien character, because I watched Family, mm-hmm. uh, his part... I don't have any idea. I think this was a comment, so I don't have any idea if this is true. I didn't, like, look it up or anything. But that was supposed to be Jordy, and LeVar Burton had surgery or something. And so they were like, oh. With Worf? We'll give it, we, yeah, that, that part with Worf in Family. That little scene there was supposed to be Jordy, but Jordy was, but LeVar Burton was having surgery. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's cool. Random. I know a little bit of trivia. You schooled me in trivia. You schooled me in Star Trek. I don't, that doesn't happen very often. I don't know if it's true, so. <laughs> well, if you say it to three different people and you post it on the internet, then it's true. Isn't that how? That's bad. Let's not accept that. The internet is not. I read it on the internet. 
That's exactly what I just did. Oh, yes, you did. I you... read it on the internet. <laughs> and guess what? You put it into your podcast and we're going to post it on the internet. Yeah, we are. <laughs> if you're not being part of the solution, you're being part of the problem, Jessica. I am such a problem child. <laughs> I think it, I, I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if that's actually real, though. I would be, let's, if anybody wants to correct us, they're welcome to. Otherwise, that happens. Do it. Oh, we might as well plug our stuff here. Call me out. It won't be the first time somebody's called me out on Twitter at Begin the Trek. There you go. On Facebook, Beginning the Trek, and on the website, beginningthetrek.com. Sure. And you can also email us at info at beginningthetrek.com. And uh, then, as long as we're talking about that, even though we're not quite there at the end yet, like, comment, subscribe, uh, give us all those, those wonderful stars. Our Trek show needs some stars for it. There, I've begged enough. <laughs> now, tell me what I'm watching. So this episode features Miles O'Brien. Okay. And it also features a new race called the Cardassians. Mm-hmm. We're going to be meeting them a lot more when we get to Deep Space Nine, including the actor that plays the commander of this Cardassians. He's going to come back in a different Cardassian role and literally will be one of the all-time great bad guys of all of Star Trek. Cool. In in that role. Yeah. So he you But not got, in this role. Not in the, the, the he, he's just an average bad guy in this role. He's got a big bad guy role coming up. Gotcha. Okay, so the 23rd episode of the 5th season of The Next Generation is called The Wounded. The Wounded. Okay. I'm going to give my prediction. Uh I don't have a good prediction. It involves Miles O'Brien. The wounded. But does that mean that he comes across the Cardassians who are wounded? Or does that mean that he gets... uh... No, okay, here's what's going to happen. He is going to be somewhere where he gets wounded and is taken by the Cardassians. And uh, this is why the Enterprise isn't necessarily involved from the start. They have to go find him and get him back. But while he's taken away, he learns a lot about this whole new race. And he's like, oh, crap, they're going to be bad guys. Okay. And maybe have a clunky flirting scene (laughs) because that sounds like Star Trek. He just got married. O'Brien gets a he just got married, but he's going to have a clunky flirting scene. Yeah. With the Cardassian or with his wife? No, 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 with with both. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Not together. That sounded weird. <laughs> Separate scenes. Separate scenes. All right. Uh, because he seems a little bit like awkward. Just a tiny bit. Like a regular human awkward instead of like you can't we can't all be Picard. He's so suave. Like No, that's true. That's true. But this will give you an opportunity to meet him, to get to know who he is. Uh, and and you'll see he, he boy, this this actor has been thinking about this guy a lot, waiting for lines. You can just tell. You can just tell because he's got <laughs> awesome. him already fairly flushed out, even at this point. Nice. Okay. We didn't talk about the giant prediction machine. No, because I broke it. You broke the giant prediction machine, Jessica. I called a lot of that. I mean, I left out a little bit, and I did think she was going to get martyred, and I did think they were going to spend some funerals and some refugees, but other than that... You got 88% of it right. The thing is only geared for up to 75%. It figured nobody could do that. (laughs) Are you going to scrap the prediction machine? Nope, I'm not going to scrap it. But the only thing left is... So when are you going to be, when are you going to be watching and tweeting this? The Wounded. The Wounded. I will be tweeting The Wounded out on March 11th, 7 p.m. That is my Sunday when I will be doing that. If you don't keep up 
on that on Twitter. It does show up on our Facebook and when I post the episode on the site, beginningthetrack.com. So I'll be doing that. Okay. At beginning the track, hashtag the wounded, hashtag BTT, hashtag... Hashtag the wounded. Hashtag, I don't know, Miles O'Brien rocks. Yes. I hope everybody has a good week. Try not to be too intimidated by all the feminists. I, listen. <laughs> you don't even have words. <laughs> and I don't have words. I don't. Uh, the prep work for Deep Space Nine begins next week. And uh, enjoy the show. I will. I have no idea. I have no idea what you're going to get from it. I don't even want to guess anymore. <laughs> That's what you get for introducing Star Trek to newbies. We might be all Borg. You never know. Maybe they come to Earth and they just take us over and that's the end of Star Trek. No spoilers. Well, Picard got taken to a Berg. Picard was a Berg. Now, <laughs> let me... Picard was a Berg. <laughs> yeah, that's fun to say. Picard was a Berg. He's a Berg, he is. Now see here, Picard's a Berg. Picard's a Berg.